It's the Happy Families Podcast. Hello, this is Dr. Justin Coulson, the Happy Families Podcast. Uh, Today, a replay of a conversation that I had on the phone with ABC Perth and WA a couple of weeks ago. You may remember there was tragic news about a young lady, Stella Berry, who was taken by a shark in a Western Australian waterway. Well, ABC wanted to have a chat with me about how we can talk to our kids about grief. What do we do about taking kids to funerals and all those kinds of death-related topics? It turned out to be quite an emotional interview and a conversation that I think is incredibly value for anyone who has to talk to their kids about grief and bereavement. I hope that you enjoy the conversation. I hope that it is helpful. Here it is now, a conversation between me and ABC Perth and WA afternoon presenter Christine Layton. It happened just near the old Frio traffic bridge. Uh, Young Stella Berry was jet skiing with friends. She jumped off to swim with a pod of dolphins and was attacked by what is suspected to be a bull shark and sadly she died at the scene. Uh, Stella's parents, Matt and Sophie Berry, are both teachers at MLC and Scotch respectively. So the loss is being felt deeply across the state. Our thoughts are with the family and all the friends. Um, If you are a parent or a guardian, how have you comforted your child after a loss like this? It's a life-changing event for so many. Um, I thought we'd put this one to Dr. Justin Coulson, TV presenter, podcaster, positive psychology expert who specialises in parenting science. Good afternoon, Justin. Christine, hi. It's nice to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, Lots of parents would have been fielding questions and concerns over the incident on the weekend. Um, What are some key points to remember when discussing events like this with children? Uh, the first one's actually a don't, and that is don't tell your kids how they should feel. Uh, every now and again, when our children experience sadness, frustration, confusion, or any other emotions that we might typically label negative, we have a tendency as parents to try to fix things, to tell them not to worry, to calm down, that it's going to be okay. We have a tendency to, I guess, alleviate the pain, the distress, the suffering, the discomfort that they feel. What research and experience both seem to point to, though, is that people don't respond too well to being told how they ought to feel. Instead, they respond really well when they have a a parent or a carer or a a safe and trusted adult around them who simply says to them, how you doing? Or that must be really hard. Or I can tell how much this has hurt you. In other words, by having somebody who can just, I guess, gently read their emotions, feed what they're seeing back to them and and letting them experience the emotion, we can do a lot more, a lot more good. Uh, Christine, there's a metaphor that I use often when I'm talking with parents about big emotions that children experience, and that's of a train going through a tunnel. Mm. Emotions are like that train entering the tunnel. And as, as you know, I'm sure you've had the experience when you go through a tunnel on a train, it can be long, it can be deep, it can be dark. You can sometimes wonder if you will see light at the other end, but eventually trains come out of tunnels. In the same way, emotions going into this big, deep, dark tunnel, every now and again, some parents want to pull out the heavy moving earth equipment Mm. and start to dig down through the top of the mountain and try to rip the train out through the top. But if we can just pause and recognise that the train's in the tunnel and it will come out, a little while down the track, maybe a kilometre, maybe an hour, maybe at the end of the weekend, uh, then then we can do a much better job of just being, just sitting on the train with, with our kids basically and 
and acknowledging, yes, this is hard. So what kind of behaviours do children exhibit when they're going through the tunnel, when they're going through the dark place? What what might they be doing day to day? It's really hard to give a, a specific guide to this because every mm. child well, not every child, but there's a range of different responses. Some children will go to their bedroom and stare at their screen. Uh, they'll uh, cover themselves up with a doona and eat chocolate and ice cream. Uh, there'll be some children who will uh, just push people away and say, I'm fine, leave me alone, I'm fine. They might get angry and become aggressive. And some kids will act like nothing's happened. They might even become more gregarious, more socially oriented. They might start trying to spend more time with their friends. Uh, so we, we could see withdrawal, we could see a heightened level of activity. It really just depends on your child and, and how they're responding to the grief that they feel. John Dongra said kids are very resilient through naivety, I suspect. I went through some dreadful outcomes as a kid, which upset me more now than at the time. What would you say to that, Justin? Yeah, it's really interesting the way we respond as adults versus the way kids respond to some things. Quite often, they just literally shrug it off. They they don't realise, I guess, how much of it's being internalised and how much of it will come back. The, the grief and trauma events cast a long shadow into our lives, but sometimes it takes a while for those shadows to lengthen, for the effects of them to to really have their impact. Yep. This text says, I lost a sister to a brain tumour 13 years ago. The only advice I can give is journey through the grief. Find quiet spots Mm -hmm. to have a cry without well-meaning people rubbing your shoulders. uh, With, I suspect, um, be open to it. It does get better, but will always be there. There are three things that that I'm prompted to, to share based on that. The first is it will always be there. So, Grief, I've heard a beautiful metaphor that it can be like a river that has a huge boulder plonked down across it. And once that boulder's there, the water kind of stops flowing for a while, but eventually the water keeps coming down to the boulder and eventually it fills up around the boulder and it creates a new pathway around the boulder. The boulder stays there, but eventually eventually the water finds a way through. And I really love that metaphor. The, The second thing that... I, I'm kind of inclined to to share is I, I remember a, a friend of mine lost somebody very 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 close to him. He he lost his wife, mm. and um, through through awful experiences, he just didn't know where to go. But he was telling me that somebody approached him one day and said, "Hey, do you want to do you want to just catch up and, and have some breakfast?" And he didn't want to, but he said yes anyway because he knew he needed to get on with his life in some way. Yeah. And at breakfast, this this friend just said, "Do you know what?" Jamie, I um, I can't imagine. I don't have any idea, <laughs> none whatsoever, what you're going through. But I know it's hard, and I just wanted to spend some time with you and let you know that I know it's hard. And if you need me, I'm here. And if you don't, that's fine too. And he 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 got very emotional, obviously, as he told me and said, I didn't need anything except to hear somebody say, I know it's hard. And and I think as parents, as carers of of these young people, whether they're five or 15 or 25, having somebody who just sits there and says, I know it's hard, is it's, it's extraordinary what it can do for your capacity to be resilient, to grow through it, to, to cope with it. Just have someone who doesn't tell you that it'll be okay, that it'll be all better. Just someone who says, yeah, it's really hard is, is often enough.
Dr. Justin Coulson is with me. Uh, we are talking about the, the tragic events from the weekend. Um, 16-year-old Stella Berry um, was, yeah, was taken by a shark and looked absolutely tragic. You can picture a young girl excited to see a pod of dolphins jumping into the water beside them thinking nothing of it and it could have been any of us. And I'm sure that kids at school today would have been talking about exactly that. It could have been me. So how do you manage that anxiety for kids not wanting to get back in the water? What conversations should parents be having to to reassure them that this is a rare event? I mean, we heard this morning it was a one in a hundred year event. The last time it happened was 1923, but still, what would you say? Yeah, it's astounding how uh, there's a there's what psychologists call a negativity bias within each of us. As much as we all want to be positive people, as much as we want to have a great can-do attitude, the negative events in our lives are overpowering in terms of the the way they impact their behaviour. And from an evolutionary point of view, that makes sense. Evolutionary psychology would suggest that you need to remember the saber-toothed tiger that jumps out of the bushes or the the cliff and the the, the dangers because it's, it's those memories that keep you alive. We don't need to remember the positive, uh, the, the way that raspberry tasted or the strawberries on top of the cake and the ice cream. We don't need to remember that because it doesn't keep us alive. It's the these events that cause our, our system to go into overdrive and, and hang on, hang on so tight. Uh, what do we say to our kids? Uh, if right now, if they say, I don't want to go in the water, you probably give them a hug and say, you know what, sweetheart, that's okay. Mm. <laughs> you don't have to. Yeah. But it's worth pointing out that avoidance reinforces anxiety. And so when we say to our child, you don't need to do it, it's okay, that becomes wonderfully reinforcing of the idea of staying out of the water. And, and then I guess we've got to work out what do we really want? What do our children really want? Do we want to live a life where we don't spend time in the water? Maybe we actually make a decision together that there are some water courses that are good to be in and some that are not okay to be in, or some bodies of water that are okay to be in and some that are not okay to be in. And and over the next little while, we start to have conversations about where we're going to swim, how we're going to swim, what we're going to do to be safe. And when conversations come up like, but what about what happened? We can say that was a tragedy and we heard all about it and we've been affected by it. How often does that happen? What's the likelihood of it happening again? Do you trust that we'll be okay? And and I guess just bit by bit, we uh, psychologists will call it exposure therapy. We move into situations where we get closer and closer and closer to the thing that once scared us until finally we're touching it, finally we're involved with it, and we're not so scared of it anymore. But it's a very careful process, Christine. It's not the sort of thing that you just, please don't any parent say to their kids, oh, toughen up. Mm. It's not going to happen to you. Mm. I mean, that's it, it's such a, an arrogant dismissal of deep anxiety that can actually really backfire. Uh, I think I think that we want to tread carefully, but at the same time, let's not coddle. Let's just be let's be sensible about it and let the kids find their way, and they will. Yeah. So what about attending funerals for kids? Um, how do you prepare a child for one? Uh, they would feel strongly about this. Either they really want to go, really not want to go, but if they do want to be there, um, what should you be talking about in the lead up? Psychological research tells us that closure, ceremonies to do with closure, whether it's for a celebration or through sadness and grief, uh, ceremonies are an important part of helping us to transition through our lives. In fact, there's, there's some thought that the transitions themselves are the best reflection of what life itself really is. Life happens in those transitions, the growth and the uh, the, the powerful moments happen in those transitions. It's not what happens either side. It's, it's being 
in those moments. So mm. my general advice, unless you have strong reasons for not participating in these events, is, and obviously not everybody's going to go to this funeral, but for if this happens in your own life, go to the funerals, encourage the kids to be there, participate in the ceremonies, participate in the traditions. Obviously, very young children, I'm saying kids under about five, six, six, even seven, they tend not to understand so much what's going on. But regardless, if the kids go to a funeral, the best thing that you can do is explain what will happen. When we go to the funeral, there's going to be a lot of people. Some of them will be sad. Uh, some of them will be crying because they're missing our, our loved one, our relative. And then you explain. Some people will talk. They'll share memories. We might see a video with some photos. They'll probably be more crying. Uh, and we're all going to do that because we love that person. And this is how we show that we love them. Yeah. And so at, when, when the kids know what's going on, the funeral and the big emotions that can be shown by many people at those funerals, they don't feel quite so difficult. And then we, we just coach our kids through it. If you see someone who's feeling like that, what might you do? If you know them well or if you don't know them at all, maybe you can give them a hug. Maybe you just sit by me and stay quiet. I mean, we, we, we problem solve and plan that out with the kids ahead of time. I, um, I remember when my papa passed away, I really wanted to hold his hand and mum was like, no, 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 it's going to be too much for her. And dad was like, no, 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 let her do it. I think it's really important. And and it was. I, I felt like I, I could be there for him in his last moments when he told us the lotto numbers, which I have forgotten now, sadly. Um, but yeah, it's it's. I don't think it's too much for kids. I mean, you know your kid best, but for me, it was, it was immensely helpful. I'm getting some beautiful texts, Justin, I have to say. Um, this one, thank you, Christine, for this segment. My eight-year-old old son is going through a phase of having a lot of anxiety about the thought of me dying. I have a better idea of what to say now. And um, this one for you, Justin. Freo Cookster said, Steens, my son was in a couple of classes with Stella. He's really reluctant to discuss it. Any tips? What would you say, Justin? I, I would go back to the things that we've already talked about and, and sit pretty comfortably just there. I, I would say to my son, if it was me, uh, you're really sad. This is really hard. I actually don't know how you're feeling. I, I don't have, I actually don't have the words for you, but I'm here for you. And I, I just give him a big hug. I'd be there for him. And, and if he says, leave me alone, dad, I'm fine. Say, all right, buddy, that's okay. But I'm just going to check in on you a bit later tonight and just make sure you're doing okay. Mm. It, like being there in that vulnerability, actually saying, I don't even know what to say to you, but I know it's really hard. It, it gives your kids an opening and also the power of a pause, the power of just standing there or sitting on the bed beside them and saying, do you mind if I just sit with you? Do you mind if I just put my arm around you? Do you mind if I just hold your hand for a couple of minutes? Something like that. Just let them know that you're there. They feel seen. They know that you'll hear them if they've got something to say. And they know that you're trustworthy. You're not going to try to fix them. You're not going to try to tell them how to feel. You're just going to be there and say, I get it. It's hard. I don't even know what it must be like for you, but I'm here. Yeah. Oh, I think we're all getting teary here in the studios, Justin, but this is really, really helpful. Um, Mel on the text line, I had a terminally ill brother who died at five years old. I was eight. I never knew he was terminal, just thought he was sick. So his death shocked me to the core. I still suffer anxiety and other consequences 40 years on. Mel says, talk to your kids. And Roscoe, I lost my dad in the early 70s, aged 11, and I'm still suffering. Um, this text here from Jane says, Shenton College Principal Michael Morgan has published an eloquent, beautiful tribute to Stella 
on the Shenton College Facebook page. And I have to say, he has said um, that school psychologists, student support officers, chaplains, nurses, year leaders are all going to be available for students and parents and families as needed. Um, anything you want to say to them if they're listening right now, Justin? There are two things. First of all, if you need help, if you need to talk to somebody, go and do it. That's that's the first thing. The second thing that I would share, it might take me about a minute to get through this, but it's mm. I think it's important enough to spend the time on it. Please. The grief, the grief that we feel when we lose somebody that we love, whether it's through this incident or something that will happen in three months or 12 months or three years or 10 years from now, the grief that we feel is overwhelming quite often. I, I had a... Uh, someone very close to me lose a sister unexpectedly. She was hit by a car just uh, six months ago. Um, and and this friend, um, wow, she just suffered so very much. And as she cried with me one day, I said to her, this grief that you're feeling is horrible. But one day you might experience something that feels even worse, and that is the absence of grief. And the, the grief that we feel as we go through this acute, painful time is actually a, a tremendous gift because it tells us just how beautiful that person was in our life, just how much they they really, really meant to us and we meant to them. Over time, that grief dulls as we move through life and progress and life just continues to happen. And sure enough, in three months or six months or 12, 12 months or maybe 10 years, we look back and there's still a dull ache, there's still grief, but we, we long for the, for the pain we long for the sadness that we feel in a moment like this because it's not there anymore. It's, it's so hard, Christine, but we do unfortunately grow through it and grow past it. They'll always be with us, but it's hard. And when we recognise this, we actually get to sit in the grief in a much healthier way, knowing that we're supposed to feel it because we love this person. Yeah, definitely. Oh. This has been immensely helpful uh, to those who are suffering uh, in Perth right now, but those who have lost from around the state. So, Justin, thank you for for tackling the really, really hard stuff. Uh, You and I will talk again in a fortnight's time. I always love our conversations. I hope it's helpful. Thanks, Christine. That radio segment was from ABC Perth and WA Afternoons with Christine Layton. It was produced by Dustin Skipworth. The Happy Families podcast is produced by Justin Rulon with Craig Bruce as our executive producer. For more information about making your family happier, please visit happyfamilies.com.au.